what does fortnightly mean for the rest of us? Because I, I don't, well, I don't use that language here. Oh God! What's a fortnightly? Every two weeks. Why didn't you just say every two weeks then? Why do you got to get all fancy on me? I'm not getting fancy. It's basic English language, you inbred hick. Fortnightly. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning back into the next episode of Drugs and Stuff. Hope you're having a great week. Today, Uncle Dave and I are going to tackle your listener questions. If you guys have any questions that you want to ask in the next episode, then comment below. We will tackle your questions then. Plus, comments and likes and all that stuff. It helps to boost us in the algorithm. You guys do an amazing job at that. We really appreciate you. Today, we're going to discuss pinning frequency. How often do you need to take your gear? Like every day or every other day or once a week? Then EQ or DHB for a contest prep. Halo versus draw versus test no aster for breaking through strength plateaus in the off season. Subjective science to tell you that you might be taking too many supplements. Plus, the amount of tests you need to look like a gym shark model. All of that and a bunch more. If you guys are new to our content, let me encourage you to subscribe and hit the bell because we have several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week. Tons of education and entertainment from IPB pros, experienced coaches, and educators in our industry. We're all here to help you do better at the sport that we love, stay safer in the process, and you know, get you through your work day or your commute or your cardio, whatever else you're doing while you're watching our shows. Hope you guys are having a great day. Let's get to the program. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with David Stanley Crossland. I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK for additional savings. Supplementsource.ca for our Canadians. Great deals that roll week to week. Uh, Strom Sports Nutrition, for those of you in the UK, you guys probably already know who Strom is, but they have amazing health supplements, great stacks, uh, as well as standalone products. Uh, and of course, um, Eval Blood Analysis and our Patreon people. What's going on, Dave? Fine. We're going to talk about, so this is our rated R episode, guys. This movie is rated R. It contains some nudity, some violence, and mild language. Yeah, so I, I can call you a village in Orkney now, can't I? I heard um, somebody in our comments mentioned on the last episode that there is a street named Bell End. There is. There, there are... Oh, if we start getting into bad place names, I've actually got a map with swear word place names on it. Um, there's Castle. Hmm. Yeah, there's see, it's interesting because when we say things like this, it's almost as if we imagine some YouTube guy who's sitting there waiting to de hit the demonetize button. And he's like on the edge of his seat listening. And then when he said, when you say castle, then it's like, Oh, I can't get them on this one. And so he doesn't hit the button, but in it's reality not. it's, it's AI it's and it just heard yeah. the one word. Yeah. But whatever. yeah. All right. Well, no, I've not sworn. You haven't. So completely. No. I could have been referring to the animal. I could have been referring to all sorts of things. So, this is true. In fact, I was referring to a castle. I wasn't swearing. So we have a bunch of Q&A, guys. You guys left us a ton of questions on the last episode. Uh, and in fact, uh, I even had a few more from the previous episode. So we're going to ramble through these today. 
I'm just going to start up at the top. And if you guys want to take part in the next episode, then I suggest that you comment below on YouTube. We will take your questions on the following episode. And by the way, if you're new here, let me encourage you to subscribe and hit the bell because we have several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week. A lot of entertainment, education, all that stuff. And hit the bell because it's very unlikely that YouTube will give you a reminder otherwise. Um, question for the next episode. Um, what What's your pinning frequency? What do you prefer? He says, I was pinning every day um, for months. But now that I'm on a cruise, I hardly pin two to three times a week, if I even remember. Uh, Cycle-wise, I would always say it was, it, for me, it was always dose-dependent. So I did the traditional Monday, Thursday, and then as doses got higher, it ended up having to be a daily event. Just because yeah. I don't cope with high volume in in a shot. So I'm pretty limited to really about, you know, a mil and a half to a good push in certain muscle groups. So as a result of that, I, I ended up having to pin much more frequently. You're a big TR, guy, dude. You can only TR, handle like a mil and a half. I'm, I'm really sensitive to the shots. I get bad swellings constantly, uh, particularly from tests. Uh, huh, um, okay. But with TRT, I've generally run a Monday Thursday protocol with that as well. But I've just gone to a sus fortnightly because I just can't be asked if I'm what honest. The- but it's fortnightly you mean for the rest of us because I, I don't well, I don't use that language here. Oh god, I forgot. It's a fortnightly. Every two weeks. Why didn't you just say every two weeks then? Why do you got to get all fancy on me? I'm not getting fancy. It's basic English language, you inbred hick. Fortnightly. You village in Orkney. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I feel like every day has become, every day pinning has become the bee's knees lately. Like everybody is doing everyday shots nowadays. You notice that? There is some argument, and I I would love to actually be able to test this. Um, Yeah. I've got the facilities, just don't have the, the enough guinea pigs. That if you keep your blood plasma too stable, your body will actually start to clear out the ester faster. Um, which is why we have half-life and terminal half-life. And and strangely enough, when you talk to Germans or Eastern Europeans, they tend to work on terminal half-life. They don't work on traditional half-life. So, can you well, can we, you explain the difference to us? Well, so in anthe uh, half-life and anthe, we work on it being ten point five days. Yeah. And what does that mean? What does half-life mean? And then terminal so, half-life. Half-life is the time it takes for the amount of drugs circulating in your system to reduce by half. It is governed by the drug's ester. The ester slows down the decay and metabolism of the drug. So a long-lasting ester, like an enanthate ester, has a half-life of 10.5 days. So basically, if you took 200 milligrams, in 10.5 days, you'd have 100 milligrams left. That does vary depending on physical size, particularly body fat plays a big role in in metabolization of drugs as well. But there is that if you get your blood plasma levels stable so that your level of hormone is completely constant, your body starts to clear that drug out at a faster rate, which is known as the terminal half-life, which happens when blood plasma stability is occurred. 
And when you speak to like German guys who use gear, they always refer to the terminal half-life, which I think is five days for Nth. So it's literally half. Hmm. And so there is argument that if you go to ED ejections, that you are going to create this scenario, which effectively means you're lowering the dose you're using. Interesting. The argument on the opposite side is that because things are stable, you don't get peaks and troughs. So generally, it's usually a lot easier on a side effects point of view. Hmm. That makes so sense. There's a bit of a balanced situation there. I like to keep a little bit of irregularity in a cycle, even if it's deliberately done. Yeah, and I'm okay with that as long as we're not getting side effects. Hmm. You know? Yeah, it's it's you've got to balance everything, haven't you? At the end of the day, from it desired goal, drugs availability, side effects. Some people don't like pinning. Some people love pinning. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like the people who love it are eventually going to not love it anymore. Like it gets old. Give yourself even a decade. Give yourself a decade. And if you still absolutely love pinning, then uh, comment below if you've been doing that for 10 years. It's usually the guys that just got started. You know what I mean? It, it, it used to be a big buzz to me. It was very much a psychological thing. Yeah. Uh, of yeah. I'm putting in this chemical that's making me super strong. Yeah. You know, almost, almost like a cartoon. You know, I'm going to shoot this and I'm just going to go, <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was the sort of thought process behind it. When it got to the worst parts of it, sometimes I wasn't even bothered rolling my sleeve up. It was just fucking back straight through the T-shirt. <laughs> oh, my God. I remember you telling me that before. Uh, I, I got quite bad for a while. Yeah. Uh, you're lucky, you know. You're lucky you didn't I, have something I, I, I go wrong. I yeah, I am lucky I didn't get a full-blown abscess at some point. Okay, so here's another one. Uh, and so previously on the last Q&A, we had talked about the difference between EQ and uh, D-ball. Mm-hmm. And he says, um, hey, guys, I have two questions. A bit confused on the difference between uh, injectable D-ball and EQ. Uh, isn't D-ball in a... Isn't D-ball in a non-methylated form considered to be EQ? Uh, why is there such a thing as injectable D-ball if it is pretty identical in their chemical structure? Um, also, would you guys run EQ or DHB for contest prep? That's a different question. So so he still was maybe not quite clear. And if he wasn't clear, then I imagine there were probably other newer guys that weren't clear on this either. Injectable still is methylated. Yes, that, that that's the point. It, 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 though it's in, it's still a methylated compound. You're not losing the methylation by using injectable D-ball. You're still injecting a methylated compound. Um, so that that's it. That's the answer. <laughs> There's no real more elaboration on that. I suppose. Um, yeah, you take the EQ and then you <coughs> change it, and then you turn that. You know, then that is turned it back into another you know, uh, injectable administered drug. So mm. it's still, it's the, 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 the hormone or the molecule itself that's been altered now. So whether you take it orally, whether you were to take it intramuscular, it's going to be that same thing. Yeah. People it's crazy how much it changes it. Methylation is a mad. It is absolutely mad. I mean, you wouldn't really put D-ball and EQ anywhere near each other from a point of view of base drugs, but they're, yeah. I say they're, they're, they're incredibly close. Yeah. Um, regards comp prep. Yeah, EQ use... versus DHB, he said. Neither, to be quite honest. 
Okay. I wouldn't use either personally. I've, but. I've used both. I've used both. Um, I think that so some people EQ is great in contest prep. It helps to provide more fullness. Um, and, and I think that for some people, they don't need to take it out. If you do, if you do need to take it out because it is such a long aster, I would then consider taking it out around six weeks out. You know, some compounds you can take out sooner, or, you know, closer to the show. That's one that I would take out a good chunk of time in advance. Uh, and generally, if I were to use it, I may use it up to that six weeks point and then change it for something else. Like maybe that's where we switch from EQ to trend. Yeah, uh, DHB I find too problematic, both in stability of the compound, crashing, injection pain, everything else that comes with it. And yeah. I find it too harsh of a compound. Um, and if I'm going to run a harsh compound at the back end of prep, I hate to say it, but if I'm going to do one, it's going to be trend. Yeah. Because it's going to give me more for, for reward for the risk I'm taking with it. Uh, with EQ... A lot of people find EQ increases their appetite, so it's not a drug I would particularly look for in in a cup. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that. So it wouldn't be um, my first go, but you know, I mean, it's like say some people love the stuff. Now I don't want to throw names out there, but I had spoken to somebody in the last couple of months about DHB in contest prep, and he was. Um, helping three guys in the Olympia, uh, and they all used DHB in place of Tren. Okay. Uh, reasons were they found that they had more side effects on Tren. They found that they had more issues with sleep, and they found that their blood markers got thrown off more from Tren than with DHB. So they chose were, to go. Were they, were they getting the equal bang for buck in the way of results as well? Yeah, that I can't really say. Uh, you know, and and it would be hard to say like oh, well, how did the final result go with these guys? It would be hard to say because there are so many other factors besides the gear that could have messed oh, it up. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So, in, But did they so, mess it up? Um, yeah, but did it? I don't know. You know? <laughs> no, did, but did they mess it up is what I was saying. They didn't, they didn't do great. They didn't, weren't the, you know, they weren't in the top, they weren't in the top five. We'll put it that way. Yeah, but were they top but five? But they weren't necessarily, right. No. Yeah. There were guys, yeah. a couple of them were guys that were fighting to get there, you know, and they, right. they were, dang, they were dang close, put it that way uh, in previous shows. So, you know, but they had, I mean, some of these same guys, I mean, they had to qualify for the L use and they used this. So they qualified using this compound, meaning that they won other pro shows. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So um, there is that. Okay. Yeah. I'm with you, though. I'm with you that I think that uh, there's a lot of potential problems with it, like, you know, just painful sights, you know, like you can get a lot of pain from DHB and that could be a real big complication, you know? Yeah, I mean, the, the worst, you know, one of the worst things you can have stepping on stage is an injection lump. Yeah. You just can't hide it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's nothing you can do. And the amount of guys that go on doing delt shots thinking it's making the delts look fuller and wider and all you've got is this. And I think even the tan actually makes it worse because you end up with this rosy round sort of shape on the delt that you know it's the injection shot and the tan's yeah. just highlighted it. <laughs> 
I've seen that before. Um, I usually try to stick with glutes right at the end and try to get it where the suit would, the trunks would cover just in case. But I, I've had a knot before. You know, it's not fun, especially when you're that lean. You can't hide it, you know? No, you can't. No, if you're properly lean, you're not hiding it anywhere. Yeah, I used DHB once, and it was the same thing. I didn't want to. I didn't want to run trend, so I used DHB, and I did get absolutely peeled for that show. Like I looked, I looked good. It was one of my leanest spots. In fact, it took me about four or five seasons to match that conditioning again. Like I really nailed it. So I, it, it won't take away. That's for sure. Uh, what about this one? Pros and cons of using Anadrol versus Halo versus T&E, Tusnoester, uh, as an off-season strength plateau buster in a short spurt at the end of a cycle. Uh, which would you? Which would be your preference and which situation would lead you to apply one over the other? Thanks, guys. Okay. Done. That's it. Okay. Next question. I like them all. I don't think that any of them are bad, you know? Okay. Done. What works best for you? That'd be a question. You know, for you, obviously, draw, green giants, A-bombs, or ox hair. Not 50s. Yes. Annapolin. Yeah. So, I will tell you guys this, that I had uh, went in on a large 60 milliliter bottle of T&E, and it was to be split with me and a, a friend of mine good buddy at the gym so he had half of it i had the other half of it i absolutely loved it and he didn't seem to get much out of it he was like yeah i can't really tell the difference it's just like having tests in my system yeah i've never i've i've left it alone because of as i said literally five minutes ago the the lumping i get from oh high, yeah high strength test you know high concentration test yeah. uh halo i was never particularly impressed with you tried it though, huh? Yeah, I, I didn't. Nah. Nah, I didn't yeah. find it did much for me at all. Um, really? How much mm, you take? Highest I think I went was sixty meg. And that's a lot, man. Yeah, to me, twenty is a lot. Yeah, I mean that's why I went up there because it was like I tried the standard twenty. Yeah. Didn't get nothing. I went thirty. Didn't get nothing. Oh, well, let's try a bit more, you know, and just to see if there was any change. I mean, obviously, it could have been Duff Gear at the end of the day. I mean, there's no yeah, but you said that real thing. you said the same thing about um, uh, Methyl Trend as well. I know the Methyl Trend was good, uh, yeah, and and I it's can't like two, say for the Halo, but they both do kind they both are kind of used in that same place, and neither of them seem to do much for you, you know. No, I, I don't know if, if, if there's something behind that. I like Super Draw, um. Definitely likes of Superdraw. I was full, very full on Superdraw. I quite like Superdraw. Yeah. I didn't get much from the point of view of a strength kick off it, but I did like Superdraw from a fullness point of view. So I haven't really experimented with it a ton in prep, but that's going to be something I do this year um, with somebody that, that wants to experiment with it. I, it's just something I've never used in prep um, at the end leading into the show. I've, I've used Anadrol with good success. Um, I've more or less, Halo has been my number one go-to. And I've always had really good success with that, with clients and myself. But this year, I'm going to try something different and go with Superdraw. Okay. Be interesting to hear. Yeah, I'll, I'll be excited to see what we get out of it. <sighs> Question for the next episode. 
what are the subjective signs of running a compound at too high of a dose? For example, you'll hear people suggest not to go over 50 to 100 VAR. Uh, other than negative impacts on blood work, what signs might one experience to see and want to keep an eye out for? I think with gear, you just start to get, for a more general sort of just overview of what you feel, you just start to get feeling a little bit run down, a little bit like you might be picking up a bit of a cold or something, but it never actually happens. You, you, you'll probably find that the edge is going to go off your training. Your strength might even dip or it will plateau. You might pick up a couple of niggles. Just it, Everything just starts to seem to go a little bit wrong across the board. Things just seem to go off, and you just feel a bit crappy. That's usually a sign that you've been on too long or you're yeah. on too much and your body's not coping very well with it. And it is basically just a build-up of toxicity in the system. Um, so from a point of view, I mean, obviously you've got direct side effects from the drugs themselves and the stuff like, you know, sure, we know prolactin's, yeah, but we, you know, stuff like we know prolactin's going to elevate with nandrolone. We know estrogen's going to elevate with testosterone. Um, but that, that can be as much down to mismanagement of the drug rather than running too much. Yeah. But with, with the blood work side of things, you're going to see blood blood start to go off, you'd probably see an immune response kick in. You'll see stuff like liver and kidney values start to escalate as your body is struggling a bit more and, and th you start to turn a bit more toxic. You'll see inflammation markers start to elevate and not come down respectively. So obviously we see CK high after training, but if you've had four-day rest, but CK is still massively high, you're inflamed. You've got high levels of inflammation. Your body is not happy where it is. So... They're all things like that from bloods that were point for it. But in a general overview, I suppose you just feel crap. You know, you just don't feel right. You don't feel fresh. You're not enthusiastic. Everything just becomes hard work. Yeah. You know what I've seen? We've talked a lot about prep today. You can, I can see a difference in a guy on stage that was using a lot of stuff. And the, the best term I've been able to use is I say, he just has a real drugged look and your skin quality doesn't look as good. You just don't have like the health. You don't have the pop. It doesn't, things just don't look healthy. So I think that that's, that's one thing. I agree with you. How about also, you know, issues with libido issues with sleep, um, you know, stuff like that. Those can all I, I would have said be more, part of it. Yeah. You know, to some extent. I'd have said more sleep. I think I think that the, the danger is put that one on. I think the danger is that with uh obviously you'll get libido issues with, with the drugs themselves as well if you're not managing True. them correctly. So there's there's a bit of a crossover there. But I think yeah. that like you say, you know when guys have done six shows on the bounce because they just look flat and tired and worn. They just don't look fresh and full. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird question to answer, you know. Appetite, there's another one. Yes. You know, is your appetite shot? That's another, yeah. I guess, telltale sign. Uh, particularly with oxys. In <laughs> yeah. mood, too. I think we've kind of, we're alluding to that, too, but like mood, you know, mm. where's your mood at? Are you excited? Are you feeling on top of the world? But the weird thing, too, is... People can have issues 
from taking too much and not even know it, you know? And that's one of the scary things. All right, we've got a few more here. We'll see if we can rapid through them. He says, uh, love the show, guys. He says, um, question for the next podcast. I heard the amount of test is equal to how big you get. Is it true? Uh, how much test will I need in my first cycle to achieve a fitness model physique? Like a Gymshark guy. Um, I'm in aspiring fitness model. He's 73 kilograms, 177 centimeters. And I can do, uh, and I did, and I, uh, excuse me, and can I add Prima Bolin or Masteron for an aesthetic look after four weeks into the cycle? Thanks in advance. Keep up the amazing content. This is not a reflection of him, but the amount of misunderstanding around compounds can sometimes be a little bit outstanding. Um, Primo and mass don't give you an aesthetic look. Um, aesthetics will come from how you train your body, how you develop your muscles, and your body fat levels in general. Um, as a first cycle, I would stick to the standard three to four, uh, a push 500 milligrams a week. I wouldn't go any higher. I wouldn't add in second compounds. Just use the one, see how you work with that, see how you feel. Um, there isn't a dosing of steroids to achieve a certain look, but the lesser muscled looks like men's physique or fitness physique, that sort of stuff, fitness model, aren't going to require huge amounts of drugs. And I mean, for a fitness model physique, that's achievable natural if you've got the genetics and the harder and the effort to do it. But it is definitely achievable on very low-level single single drug compound cycles, uh, potentially even oral only. But you're not going to need to run complex heavy cycles to achieve that if you're putting anywhere near half decent effort into your training and diet. Yeah, yeah. We always talk about how making sure that your nutrition and your training are 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 nailed in and if you're new to this and you think that your nutrition is dialed in you think your training is dialed in and you're new to this then please understand that you're wrong you may be at a good you may be doing better than you were before but just and i say that out of respect if you know if at you know 15 20 years in you still can be learning stuff then the amount of information you have you know ought the jump that first year or two is just understand that there is going to be so much more to learn. And the more you understand about those things, the further you'll be able to, to take uh, your physique. So that's one thing that I would definitely say. I think we're almost talking about um, this is a matter of speed. You know, the, what does the gear do here? It's not going to take him further than he could go naturally, but it could get him there more quickly, right? That would be the difference. That's the only difference, really, that the gear is going to add to something in a situation like this, right? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking a, a classification of a bodybuilding class or a physique development class that is not heavily muscled. It's not hard on condition. Um, and it doesn't require a big chemical solution. It, it really doesn't. It just requires more a bit of effort. But you also have to train smart. Because you've got to develop that physique that works in that category. So the last thing you want is a whopping great pair of legs if that's where you're going. Yeah. 
because it's not going to suit the category. So you've also got to be a bit, a bit sensible about how you approach your training. You know, waist needs to stay tight and small, shoulder width wide, good tapers. So the, the, the men's fitness model physique is probably in bodybuilding terms, actually away from the standard. Because the standard criteria for bodybuilding is balance, proportion, and symmetry. Yeah. They're your three golden rules, and then you've got obviously size and muscle development with that. Um, when actually, when you look at sort of the men's physiques and the model classes below that, they sort of don't abide to the balance, proportion, and symmetry because they tend to have a lighter leg, they tend to be wider in the shoulder, a little bit bigger in the arm than would be proportional for their bodies. Yeah. So they sort of move away from that. So you've, you, you know, you have to develop the training to suit the physique you're trying to develop as well. Um, okay. and, and taking Primo is not going to give you any more a men's model physique as it's going to give you a bodybuilder's physique, depending, you know, the drug's not going to change that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just to, for myself, for the breakdown here, uh, going from centimeters to inches and kilograms to pounds. So he's 170 pounds, He's 5'8", and I pulled up Gymshark male models. So here's a guy. I mean, that that is something that you could do pretty naturally given five years of doing everything right. You know? and, and the half-decent genetics, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and part of, like, your shoulders being wide, waist being narrow, all of that is going to be in part, you know, genetics. But... But that level of muscle mass, I, I think that somebody could be able to build that without anything in five years. So I would have thrown that at him. And, and I would think that, yeah, minimal use would, would get him there as long as everything else is definitely on track, you know. Mm -hmm. And keep learning, like I said, because there's so much more that you're going to need to learn. There always is, you know. All right. Um, let's see here. Thoughts on someone with secondary hypogonadalism that is correcting it through weight loss and exercise. We could have put this on the PG one, I think. Um, 38 years old, total T was 200, uh, 200, wait, total T was at 220, uh, 40 pounds lost in a year of lifting, um, and now it's at 340. Would a PCT possibly help speed up the process or would it even be worth it since it seems to be trending positively lifetime natty if that matters thanks guys love the podcast um essentially no a pct is not going to do a great deal it would boost test levels while you were administrating those drugs but post pct you wouldn't really see a, a sustained elevation because you're not repairing something that's being damaged through drug use um yeah. what would work would be i i do genuinely believe that stuff like maca root deaspartic acid tribulus can help and impact and improve test levels not in everybody and it's not going to overpower every situation but in people that have a lifestyle reduced testosterone it can be very very useful and very very helpful in fact i've even just seen a set of bloods this week that now, this is Enmol, but they went up by five points by the introduction of those supplements. So it, it does have an impact within that natural range. Improving lifestyle in the sense of lowering stress, improving sleep. Alcohol. Alcohol is a huge, huge destroyer of testosterone levels. 
So yeah. I, I imagine you, he's not drinking, is he? I would hope I not know. if these are you his goals. But you're, yeah. You never know, though, do you? I mean, I, I know a, a, a heavyweight female bodybuilder in the UK that's an absolute pisshead and will miss food in her diet in order to put alcohol into it. Oh, wow. Huh. It doesn't work that way. Tell her that. Well, she, she well, tried. But, you know, it's um, some people, so it depends on the individual at the end of the day. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I still think, he, I mean, we also don't know where he is with it. I mean, he's lost 40 pounds. Well done for that. But we don't know where he is in relation to, you know, was he a 400-pound guy that's lost 40 pounds or was he a 260 guy that's lost 40 pounds? You know, there's a big difference in the scope of where he can still go. Yeah. So if he's still got 40, 50, 60 pounds to drop, then there's still a good chance that his test levels might improve further. Um hmm. I don't think they're ever going to see the 1200s. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, five to sixes he might be able to achieve. And then he has to make a decision on whether he feels good enough on that or, or he wants, to, you know, if he doesn't feel his quality of life where it should be. Did he give um, us his age? 38. 38. So it's like he's not really in a place where he's going to. I mean, he was in a really crappy health position. So. I think there is room for improvement, but like, how much improvement at thirty-eight are we are we going to get? Well, I say I think with supplementation, he potentially could should be into the five six hundreds, maybe a little bit more. But I, I don't think you're ever going to see thousand plus. Yeah, I wonder if he would be a good candidate to consider going onto TRT. Potentially, yeah, but I, I think the fact that he's doing the health and fitness and weight loss first, yes, is the better route to go. When he's got his weight down and he's at a place where he's happy, then if he's not firing properly, then yeah, by all means, consider the TRT. But I, I would lose the weight first if he can. Yeah. Because um, I think, well, I don't know them. The, the only thing is, I don't know the motivation. But if the motivation around the weight loss is to improve hormone levels, then you remove that motivation by putting him on TRT. Yeah. <coughs> Yeah, but then you start making better progress, and then you become a male fitness model, and you're the first 38-year-old guy in Gymshark. So. There seemed to be a, an element of um, sarcasm in that comment there, Scott. Dave, you should get involved with Gymshark. Like, let's make you up a little resume and, like, dead seriously, like, apply and see if they take you. Both of us. We both do it. And we like rate our physiques, Jim Shark. I think Do I've we- got a better chance of starring in Cars Five than I have in <laughs> achieving that. <laughs> oh yes, that was that was off the air, guys. I'll have to cut that clip in here now. I'll cut it in right here. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, we had one more question here, Dave, and this is something to consider for the future. You would obviously have to talk to your clients. Uh, anybody who was maybe even a close friend and willing to to work with us on this one. But Andrew Wright, who is a longtime supporter of our programming, um, he says, out of uh, interest for a show, could Dave bring along some blood work of people, um, not to show what happens, YouTube might not like that, um, more of what the difference is in different people. One person taking 500 milligrams at test versus someone else, uh, same type thing. Um, maybe bring some horrible blood work on to show what happens when people abuse stuff. Okay. Uh, you know, I mean, test, 
test levels in relation to dose are pretty stable. There's not generally there's not a huge variance in that. Um, that's pretty ballpark. You can pretty much work out what somebody's on by their test levels. I think he so, means like what, what are your what does your uh, HDL look like in your hematocrit after being on for say you know what I mean? How do we react almost? All right, um, potentially, potentially, I could do something. I think what will shock people is. The level on HDL of somebody who's taking, say, five, six, seven hundred mega test, mm-hmm. and the level of HDL on somebody who's taking two hundred mega test and a hundred mega prima. What do you mean? Because I'll tell you now, the second's going to be a lot worse. Really interesting. Massively so. You'll probably get a HDL reduction from. So in the UK, one point one is the lower limit of HDL. Okay, in a non-supplemented, non-supported person. Five, six, seven hundred mega tests is probably going to knock them down to about 0.8 ish, give or take a little bit. You stick someone on 200 mega tests and 100 mega primo, and most people go, Well, that's going to be much healthier. Hmm. Their HDL will be 0.4, 0. 0.5. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Hmm. See it all the time, every single day. Yeah. Do you ever talk about that stuff uh, on Pillars of Strength? Your, your a little bit, a little bit, um, but we are, this year we're pushing Evo, um, and one okay. of the things we're doing is we, we're going to have a TikTok account, and we're going oh. to start putting out a lot more little video short bit clinics talking about, not supposedly anabolics, but you know, just talking about what this blood marker is, what that blood marker is, and, and stuff like that, so we are slowly moving towards that um will you be doing any tiktok dances on this channel if it gets me a hundred thousand followers yes i'll do a damn strip tease well i don't know if we need to go that far but they do the tiktok dances on tiktok that's what you do apparently when you get to a certain level on tiktok with a number of followers the, the, the platform changes in what you can do with it and how you can market through it. Mm. Yeah, so um, I'm not interested in 100,000 followers for any ego trip. It's because it opens up marketing things you can do. <laughs> I think it's going to require several TikTok dances per week. It'll take a lot of choreography. Your daughter can help you. I think you got this. Your daughter and your wife, they can help you with this. This will be good. Well, currently my daughter is in charge of TikTok. Um but if she messes it up, she's going to get sacked and bad. Ask her a question for me. Ask her, okay. does she know any TikTok dances? And if so, will she teach them to you? Do you know any TikTok dances? And if so, will you teach them me? I will, yeah. Yes! <laughs> she knows we got something here, guys. You're going to have to tune into Dave's new TikTok for that. And are you running a Pillars of Strength anytime soon? Speaking of which. She starts tomorrow. <laughs> So oh. there's still sign. There's still time to sign up. The seven people in the live feed. <laughs> All right, that sounds good. All right, and uh, with that said, guys, go to evalbloodanalysis.com. Get your labs done by Dave if you live in the UK. Go to truenutrition.com if you're in the US. Get all your supplements over there. A lot of great protein powders. I use their collagen every day. Their intra workout stuff as well. Um, Go over to supplementsource.ca if you're in Canada. There's great deals there that change week to week. And of course, if you're in the UK, go to Strom Sports Nutrition. You get a lot of really great health supplements and stacks there, as well as standalone products too. Dave, for another Q&A here. Our rated R, our rated R Q&A, drugs and stuff. 
I think that they don't like the name drugs and stuff, by the way. I think that might be part of the problem. Oh, you can't change the name. But no, we can't change the name. Well, we, we can't can. change the name. We can. We could probably change it to... Stuff? Stuff and stuff. Stuff and stuff. Another episode of Stuff and Stuff with Dave Crossland. Stay tuned for some TikTok dances, and we will see you soon. Thank <laughs> you.